This is the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. Hey, 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 everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in today for episode 43. In our last episode, we kicked off a brand new series of conversations that we're calling How to Survive Cancel Culture, because that's what we live in right now. Uh, If you guys remember the first couple of weeks of the pandemic lockdown, I talked about this in the last episode, that there were two hot button words, right? The word unprecedented, like everything that was happening was unprecedented, and then the word cancel, which leads us to cancel culture. Now, the basis of cancel culture is this. If a person does or says something that runs countercultural to the current cultural preferences, then we opt to cancel that person. And it's not necessarily, I talked about this in the last episode, it's not necessarily about accountability, which I I think we all believe is important. Everyone should have accountability in their life. But canceling is really not about accountability. It's actually about shame. It's about eliminating the opposition and really forcing someone to self-silence themselves. So the question that we posed in the last episode was, how do we survive what cancel culture has done is doing, and will continue to do, especially if we don't do something about it. So in our last episode, we we talked about showing mercy, and that mercy is basically not giving the punishment to someone who deserves it. And I believe, honestly, the more mercy you show, the more mercy will be shown to you. Jesus was very clear about that, right? In the uh, Beatitudes, in the first sermon that he ever gave, he talks about this idea that God blesses those who show mercy. Why? Because they will be shown mercy. So we said, hey, you want to survive cancel culture? Show a little bit of mercy, even if someone doesn't deserve it, because you may need it at some point in time. Today, let's talk about kindness. And what I want to do is I want to actually revisit some of the the thoughts I shared back in episode number six. Uh, We did this series called Be Kind. It was based off the song by uh, my good friend, uh, Aaron Kellum called Be Kind, and we shared some thoughts throughout that whole series that I want to revisit because I think they're so good to this topic of surviving cancel culture with kindness, okay? And so when we talk about kindness, we have to show it in every part of our lives, okay? And what I'm fascinated with is that everybody wants it. Honestly, everybody wants to be shown kindness, but not everybody wants to give it. And if you don't believe me, just take a simple poll. Go to your workplace, go to your neighborhood, talk to your family, find a random stranger or some friends, and I guarantee you that nine out of 10 people that you talk to will say, of course they wanna be shown kindness. We always want that. Now, you have to account for like the, the weirdo that's like, no, I could care less if anybody shows me kindness. Well, you know, those are always outliers. But I guarantee you, probably nine out of 10 people will say, oh, yes, I'd love to be shown kindness, right? That's natural. But the problem is that the frequency by which those people who desire kindness show kindness to other drops dramatically, right? It kind of reminds me of the old Native American proverb that I I quoted in episode number two. And the proverb, proverb went like this, a wolf of love. And a wolf of hate lives inside every person. A wolf of love and a wolf of hate lives inside every person. We all have the capacity to love 
and we all have the capacity to hate at the exact same time. It's, it's a crazy phenomenon. But we all want kindness shown to us, and yet we struggle oftentimes to show it to others. And let me say this, and I'll just be honest, Christians can be the worst offenders of this more often than not. And I put myself, you know, first among equals in this. I can't tell you how many times I've had the chance to show kindness to others and failed to do so. Yet, yet, there have been many times that I've been like, man, please show a little bit of kindness to me. The same kind of kindness that I have failed to show to others. And the thing about kindness is that there's only, there's not one way to really express or display kindness. You see, kindness is kind of like uh, the Ben and Jerry's 54 flavors of ice creams, right? There are multiple ways to express and display kindness in our world. But in order for us to do that, we got to understand, we have to have a working foundation of what kindness really means. Because I think that's it's gotten skewed in, in our culture today. So today I want to share with you a description that I read back in episode six that I think truly, really captures a portion of what um, what kindness looks like and basically where we're going to head today. So I said this in episode six that the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation uh, described kindness in this way, that kindness is choosing to acknowledge and celebrate the beauty in others regardless of whether or not they can find it in themselves. Let me repeat that. Kindness is choosing to acknowledge and celebrate the beauty in others regardless of whether or not they can find it in themselves. Now, this description of kindness, as I said, is only one of many, but I love this because it really does put kindness in the proper perspective. You see, what it points our attention to is that kindness is really not about us, per se. It's really not about us. Kindness is all about the person being shown kindness first and foremost. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't get joy out of it. It doesn't mean that there isn't some pleasure of us being able to show kindness. It is. But that isn't our first thought. That isn't our motivation. We don't show kindness because we want the joy that comes from it. We show kindness because that's what we ought to do. And our reward is the joy. You see, showing kindness should be about showing others Jesus, especially in their most difficult moments. And that's what that description does. Kindness is choosing to acknowledge and to celebrate the beauty in others, regardless of whether or not they can find it in themselves, right? That description basically says, hey, show them kindness, even in the midst of difficult situations when they can't see that they are God's image in themselves. What it does is it focuses our hearts and our minds on helping others see the image of God in themselves. By showing them kindness, we are reminding them that they are valued and loved, even when cancel culture says they are no longer worthy of love. This is the type of kindness our world so desperately needs, okay? Now, again, I'm not saying there shouldn't be accountability. I'm not saying that there sometimes aren't consequences. But I think those things can happen even in the midst of kindness. Now, there are many stories in the Bible that we could literally point to where kindness is probably one of the main central themes. But I think no story, and and this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, it's probably one of the most overused stories, but if if you understand it and interpret it the right way using correct theology, 
This story is so powerful. And I don't think there's any other story that captures it quite like the situation that we find in one of the witnesses to Jesus and his ministry, one of Jesus' disciples, a guy by the name of John, in his book. Now, if you've been a follower of Jesus for some time to a long time, or maybe you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I'm still trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing. Well, I would encourage you to go read this story in the book of John. Um, Or you've probably even heard of this story from, you know, different resources or things, but it's a story of this adulterous woman, okay? Now, there are so many major and many truths that we can literally pull and take from this story, and I think one of them is kindness. Honestly, the whole story is about kindness and grace, the kindness and grace of Jesus versus the unkindness of her accusers. So, let's set the table. In John chapter 8, Uh, The disciple, John, tells us that one day Jesus was at the temple court. So imagine, just think of Jesus being at our our modern modern day church, okay? So he was at the church, basically. And these teachers, they were known as Pharisees, but we're going to refer to them as teachers of the law. It's another name for them. They dragged this woman, okay, to the temple courts, to the church. And they accuse her of having relations with a man who was not her husband, okay? Now, John actually writes, the, the, the actual writing was John said that they caught her in the act of adultery, which is even crazier and begs so many different questions of why they were there. But every time I read this, the first question I always go to is how in the world did they catch her and not the man? Like, the law was pretty clear that both the man and the woman who were caught doing such a thing should be put to death. That was the law in that time, okay? Both parties. Not one, not just the woman, but the man too. But did you notice what's super interesting is who's absent from the scene? If you guess the man, you want a million dollars. He is literally nowhere to be found. John doesn't even mention him. Why? You see, I think it's because the point wasn't the crime itself. The religious teachers didn't really necessarily care about the crime. The point of this moment was to use this woman's act as a way to entrap and discredit Jesus. Because that's what they've been trying to do this whole time. They've been trying to make it seem like Jesus was this crazy person who worshipped the devil and was a drunkard and he was just leading people astray. So they thought they found the perfect way to do that, right? They were going to bring this woman who was accused of adultery or, in John's word, caught in the act of adultery, and they were going to try to entrap and discredit Jesus. Those teachers didn't even care about this woman's self-worth or the shame and the humiliation that she was about to endure with being dragged in front of a whole crowd of people, okay? Honestly, this was first century cancel culture at its finest, basically. They only wanted to use her as a pawn in a scheme to trap Jesus. Their thought was either we get Jesus to say not to stone her, which was the law, which would then uh, force him to break the law, right? And then he wouldn't be this perfect person. Or say stone her, which then really dismantles his message of grace, right? And they were willing to parade this woman's guilt in front of the whole world in order to accomplish their mission. 
Like they honestly, they couldn't wait to stone her. They wanted to. It was like two birds and one stone, right? We get they get the stone to center, all the while discrediting Jesus. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Is, I'm assuming is what they thought. And that's what we do when we refuse to acknowledge the beauty and the God-given identity of others. We literally cast stones on them because we don't see their worth in God. That is the essential of cancel culture. We walk around with our rocks ready to stone a person instead of walking with our God-focused eyes to see that they are worth God's love. But Jesus being Jesus, he had other plans. So what he does is he tells them that if anyone has not sinned, then they can cast the first stones. So that's the qualification. And it was pretty clear. You can't be a sinner or have ever sinned, right? Can't do it. Can't have done anything bad. Well, when you when that was the qualification, then it basically ruled out everyone in attendance except for Jesus. Jesus was the only one who had never sinned. He had never had one bad thought, one lustful temptation, no ounce of jealousy, no hatred, nothing, no sin. He was the only one qualified by those qualifications to throw the stones. And Jesus knew it. That trickster. He knew it the whole time. Everyone else that was present weren't perfect. And so they end up leaving. Sad. Because they thought they had two birds, right? And they only... Uh, they only were they were they had to leave with none. It's like the old saying, right? A bird in a hand is better than two in the bush. And they left with two in the bush, right? When they all leave, Jesus asked the woman. He says to her, "Okay, so where are your accusers at?" Right? Like he didn't already know. Jesus knew they had left, but I think he wanted her to see something. So she says, "Well, they left." And watch what Jesus does. This is probably the best part. He says, "Didn't even one of them condemn you?" didn't even one of them condemn you? And she says, no, not at all. And he says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Man, one of the most powerful statements in the Bible. And if you didn't catch that, man, at some point, grab a Bible, sit down and read and just read that. And I would even, I would even ask you to put yourself in that woman's shoes. It may not have been adultery. But it could have been something else, something that if people found out, you'd definitely get canceled in this day and age. And see that Jesus says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. The one person who is qualified and has the right to throw the stones decides to throw you and this woman in the story a life raft. Instead of giving this woman what she might deserve, he extends grace and kindness to her. I mean, he saw in her the image of her creator. And instead of counseling her, instead of canceling her or shaming her or destroying that image, he decides that kindness would acknowledge, restore, and celebrate the image of her creator in her, even when she couldn't find it in herself. You see, Kindness isn't just about being nice to someone. It's not just about doing something nice for someone one time. That's not kindness. That's a random act of kindness. You see, true kindness, as I said in episode six, true kindness is helping others see and believe they are valued and loved by their creator. 
kindness is basically saying, I see you're in the dumps because you've done something that is brought shame and guilt, right? I see you're in the dumps about yourself, and I want to help you understand what the truth is about who you are, okay? Brene Brown, I think she says that shame is, or guilt is, you've done something bad. Shame is your bad person. That's what cancel culture is after. Cancel culture is not about recognizing the guilt. Cancel culture is, rec- is about extending shame. They want you to think. It wants you to think that you're a bad person, but that is not necessarily true. Kindness is helping you see, helping others see and believe that they are valued by their creator. It's helping them see the truth about who they are to Jesus, who they are to the creator of the world, of the universe, God. So how do we acknowledge and celebrate the beauty in others, regardless of whether or not they can find it in themselves? I think the first way, and remember, these are these things that I give you, they're not uh, the end-all, be-all steps. They won't solve everything, but I think they're great starter points, okay? So I think the first great starter thing is to practice friendliness. I said this in episode six. Practice friendliness in our daily interactions. Practice friendliness in our daily interactions. And what, what I basically mean by this is that in every interaction we have, we should treat people with respect and grace and afford them trust to a certain extent. I mean, don't just, you know, give your whole trust, but trust them. Assume the best about people and put them first, even when they don't deserve it. I love how Paul puts this in a letter uh, to, in, uh, to the Ephesian Christians. He tells them, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 4.32. Being kind means that our friendliness extends well past our friends and goes all the way to the common stranger. It's essentially basically the golden rule of treating people simply how we desire to be treated, right? The second great starter way is to practice generosity in our daily interactions. I said this in episode six, that it's not necessarily about money. Now, yes, money is a part of generosity, right? Your time, your talent, your treasure. I mentioned in episode six about uh, Traders Point Christian Church, a church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Great church. Love that church. Uh, Used to serve with them. And one of the core values at Traders is this idea of joyful generosity. And they describe this type of generosity in this way. And I I love the phrasing. They say, we want to lead the way with the kind of generosity that only makes sense in the light of God's grace. You see, God has extended extraordinary grace to his creation when he sent his son to die on our behalf, when he covers our many sins in the blood of Christ and considers us clean and justified. You you understand that, right? That because of Jesus' death on the cross, because of the blood that was shed, we literally can go before God and be found clean and justified, which basically means we are made right. We are made holy in the eyes of God because of Jesus. So each day that we wake, the many blessings that we have, all because of Jesus. That kind of grace deserves the kind of generosity that makes sense to it, right? It's the same kind of generosity we should extend others because it was extended to us. We should be generous with our time, our talent, 
That's basically what we're good at and our treasures, the resources that God has blessed us with to help others experience this immeasurable, as Paul says, immeasurable grace, right? And then the last thing I'd give you to, uh, to as a practice, a great idea to start is to practice consideration in your every interaction, in your daily interaction. Now, consideration is defined as careful thought over a period of time. When we are being considerate in our daily interactions, we are taking into account what someone else may be going through. We are taking into account what may be happening in their life, right? And what we're doing is we're doing whatever we can to come alongside that person, to just say, look, I hear you, I see you, I'm with you because I value you. I hear you, I see you, and I'm with you because I value you. Why do I value you? Because Jesus values you. Because you are made in the image of God. See, when we're not considerate, we risk making someone feel less than or unimportant. And it can seem as if we're throwing stones instead of life rafts. I said this in episode six. Consideration is all about throwing life rafts. It's a conscious effort on our part to say to someone, I may not fully understand or I possibly can't relate what you're going through. Yeah, there might be some consequences. Yeah, there might be some difficult seasons ahead, but I am here and I want to walk with you in that season. Consideration is putting others before you. It's the daily practice of saying, I am making this about you and less about me. It's, it's as Paul says to the Philippian Christians, he said, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the entrance, interests of others, Philippians 2.4. So how can we survive cancel culture? Well, we can show mercy and we can show kindness. Hope you tune in to our next episode. It's going to be really good. I want to thank you for listening today. And if this was helpful for you, will you do me a a favor, a big favor, and share this with others? Also, I would love it if you would provide a positive rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, because this will help uh, the show and these episodes reach more people. And that's what it's all about. I say this every episode. It's honestly, guys, it's not about fame or popularity. I literally just want this podcast to get out to more people because it will help encourage and inspire every Christian to love Jesus and to live out their purpose in uncommon ways. Thanks for joining and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. For more information on today's topic, visit UncommonChristianPodcast.com.